on a regular basis almost every day of the week. Uh, some days on festive days, on days that are that are considered a, a, a holiday of sorts, then we skip this chapter. But uh, we'll keep that in mind. Let's jump into this chapter and try to get a sense of what's going on over here. I want to talk about the history behind this chapter. So it begins by sp- stating, It is a chapter of Tehillim. It is a psalm for David. Now, Sometimes David writes the chapter. The commentators, the Ibn Ezra, the Radak, understand that this chapter was written for David. And you'll see why it's written for David. Let's read on for a moment. Yancha Hashem biyom tzara. Hashem should answer you on a day of trouble. Yisagevcha Shem Elokei Yaakov. The name of the God of Yaakov should keep you safe. So we're going to have to come back and address why it is that we refer to God, why specifically the name of the God of Yaakov, right? One of the God of Avram, the God of Yitzchak, one of the God of Yisrael. Why the God of Yaakov is something we're going to have to come back to. Okay, then he says, He's going to send you his help from his sanctuary and sustain you from Tzion. He should receive all of your meal offerings and approve your burnt offerings. Okay, he's going, Hashem should grant your desire and fill your every plan. May we shout for joy in victory. And we will be large, we will be grown, we will be great through God's name. May God fulfill your wishes. Okay. Now I know that Hashem will give victory to his anointed one, who will answer him from his heavenly sanctuary, with the mighty victories of his right arm. Okay, now here's a very famous line from this chapter, and very poetic one as well. They are on chariots, they are on horses. But we call out to Hashem, or we recognize and acknowledge Hashem, our God, right? Contrasting the nations who are relying on their physical force, and we rely on Hashem. And what happens? They collapse and lie. They fall. And we rally and gather strength. Hashem Oshia, Hashem grant victory. The king answer us when we call. Okay. Beautiful chapter, well-known chapter. It's a chapter that's invoked oftentimes in a time of distress. The question is, when is this chapter, does this chapter have any specific time frame that it's written for, or is it just uh, a general chapter? And and, and we've seen before, you know, there are um, two approaches within the commentaries about the chapters of Tehillim. Many assume that all the chapters are written uh, for general circumstances and not necessarily about a particular circumstance unless it's explicitly stated. However, there are those who try to find unique allusions in each specific chapter and, uh, and try to connect each chapter to a particular uh, time in Jewish history. So there's a couple of hints in this chapter, okay? One of them is the fact that it talks about Rechev and Sus. It talks about a chariot and it talks about horses. Where do we find where do we find David HaMelech, King David, fighting against horses and chariots? We only find that well, we find that twice. Once is when his son rebels against him, and it says that his son gathered horses and chariots. And so some based on that understand that this chapter is written just like the chapter where it explicitly says that David is writing this during a time of distress when he's on the run from his son, some suggest that this chapter is also, also written in that context. 
However, there is another time, another enemy, where uh, the horses and chariots are mentioned, and that is one of the most difficult battles that David's army fought, and that is the battle against Aram. Uh, David fought, it was really, there, there were two enemies, one of them was Aram, and there it says that they have horses and chariots, and David's army was surrounded on both sides by different armies, there was an alliance made against David and Melech, and nonetheless, Hashem saved uh, David's army. What's interesting is that not every one, there were three battles against Aram, one of them, David, did not attend the battle. It's not clear why he wasn't in that battle. Um, uh, but one way or another, David HaMelech is fighting against this very powerful enemy who has Recheb Vesus, which are invoked over here, the horses and the chariots. And that perhaps is what's being, uh, and, and perhaps this chapter is written in that context, which would make a lot of sense. Because, as we mentioned, who is the, what is the name of God that is invoked over here? Yisagev Hashem Elokei Yaakov, the God of Yaakov. Why is the God of Yaakov invoked over here? The simple answer is that Yaakov is the one who goes through very stressful situations. More so than Avram and Yitzchak, Yaakov has to deal with uh, much more oppression, much more pain, much more distress. However, it's worth noting that uh, Yaakov also has a very unique connection to Aram because we know one of his great nemeses, one of his, one of his worst enemies was, of course, his father-in-law, Lavan. Ha'arami. He is from Aram. So invoking the God of Avram would be quite relevant and quite befitting this situation where they're once again fighting Aram. We also know that Yaakov, what gave Yaakov the, the spiritual strength was the promise that he had that stemmed from the Makom Hamigdash, the place of uh, where the base of Migdash was going to be built. Even though he was no longer there, God was saying in that vision, in that dream that he had before he left to Aram, God demonstrated that you have this base of Migdash, you have this place, and that place will give you strength no matter where you go. And similarly over here, uh, David is, or whoever's writing this, is stating that there is going to be help, even though they're not standing near the base of Migdash, the help is going to come from there. So that seems to be, uh, if you would like to see these chapters written about a particular situation, it would seem like it was written in the context of this battle against Aram. Um, that said, uh, the, the Das Mikra, and, and later commentaries understand that perhaps this chapter is written as a general chapter that was invoked time and time again. Um, whenever the king went to battle and they would gather in the base of Migdash when the king would bring his offerings. And again, one of the, one of the passages that are mentioned over here speaks about the offerings that are brought, uh, that the specific offering should be accepted. And that's what's going on over here, that David is bringing these offerings and the nation is praying that his offerings be accepted, and then he is going to war. This was common practice. They would bring offerings before going to war. Of course, this chapter is still invoked all the time, and as I mentioned, it's mentioned between Ashrei and Duval at Sion. Um, the, the, the commentators point out, and Rashi already com comments that although it invokes Mincha Secha, it talks about Mincha offerings and different types of sacrifices, those could be understood allegorically to be a reference to different prayers, that God should accept our prayers. And again, this chapter is always seen as a prayer that, invoke, that is meant to express deep feelings of insecurity, deep uh, yearnings for closeness to God, and that's why on positive days, on holidays, we omit this chapter. I'll just leave you with a thought, something which uh, we need to think about a little bit more, uh, but in Likute Halachos, uh, one of the great Hasidic writings, it talks about the fact that he points out that the chapter over here, if you count the words, I didn't, but we'll trust them, feel free to count it, has 70 words. There are 70 words in this chapter. What are the 70 words in this chapter? And he suggests, invoking another Kabbalistic idea, these are the 70 cries 
of a woman who gives birth. There are 70 cries that are cried out. I never counted. Uh, I don't know if anyone's counting how many times the person cries, but there's some mystical idea that there are 70 cries uh, that are associated with birth, the tsara leida, the pain of birth, and from the pain of birth, it develops into geula, into redemption, right? We know that the, 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 the experience of the pain of birth into uh, is is seen oftentimes as a as a reflection as a symbolism as a metaphor for the pain that we go through leading up to the times of Mashiach and so similarly over here this chapter in some way represents the the moment before Mashiach comes and of course what do we say after this chapter we say Uvalitzion Goel this goes between Ashrei and Uvalitzion and that's why there is first we experience the pain we acknowledge the fact that things are difficult and we experience the difficulties we whatever you know from whatever early moments in in David's life that he experienced these pains, bringing it back to Yaakov, and then going forward, applying it to our own lives, and experiencing, recognizing that we have struggles, we have difficulties, we have pain, uh, but to recognize that it's closely associated with Uvalatzion Goel, that it's through those difficulties, it's through those dark times that we're ultimately able to experience a Geula, a redemption. So this chapter should never be seen as a standalone. Yes, it is a, uh, it reminds us of the difficulties that David went through and that we are going through, and we invoke this chapter all the time, but it's important that we follow it up with Uvalatzion Goel, recognizing and reminding ourselves that it's through those dark times that we're able to experience the ultimate, uh, a personal Geula, and God willing, the ultimate Geula as well. Okay, thank you all for joining. Have a great day. How are you, Pam? How are you? How are you? Whoops. Here we go. Uh, you're, you're on mute.